Hey everybody, welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Badwater. How you doing? Uh, doing all right. Um, good weekend. Um, um, probably physically, mentally doing a little bit better than you and uh, all the discussing that you've been doing the past few days. But oh boy. yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this is uh, podcast. Good. This is podcast four in three days. Um, uh, I've started my uh, Pac-12 preview series, um, and uh, our our uh, glorious leader emeritus uh, Adam Chimeo, who runs the uh, Quack Twelve podcast, scheduled uh, interviews with the Arizona, Arizona State, and Cal back to back to back. So I just ran through all three of them. Um, we'll talk about, uh, the Arizona article that I'll, I'll have set to publish on, uh, Thursday at the end of the podcast, but first let's talk some diamond ducks. Um, uh, the softball team went down to Tempe, Arizona and, uh, swept the sun devils, um, in what I think is the first, uh, series sweep of the season for them, uh, at least in Pac-12 play. Um, and the first in like a little while for the team, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as um, uh, an Arizona state team that uh, swept the ducks the last season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was quite the turnaround. Um, the, uh, the, the biggest component is pitching and, you know, it's not an understatement to, um, attribute it to the presence of Morgan Scott. You know, she's had her fingerprints uh, all over uh, games that were won against ranked teams the, the past three or four weekends, and her fingerprints were definitely all over this last weekend with a uh, complete game win and then a couple saves to yeah. follow up. Yeah, exactly. She she got the complete game win in the first game, um, limited Arizona to uh, two runs and four hits. Um, and then uh, the second game, uh, Reagan Breedlove uh, pitched. Um, she actually went pretty deep, uh, Breedlove did. You know, Breedlove has actually, you know, been my biggest concern about, you know, Oregon's pitching staff because, I you know, I looking at you know not to sugarcoat it but she's definitely been pitcher number three you know i don't think anybody would disagree with that um uh but you know how many innings pitched did she wind up going like uh i I think she wound up you know pitching like five and a half innings in that game yeah yeah something like that um and uh how far did she get I, I forget. But then, yeah, exactly. Uh, Morgan Scott came in and, and, and got the save uh, for that game. And then uh, 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 Stevie Hansen, uh, again, you know, pitched, uh, you know, almost a complete game, you know, shutout. But then, you know, again, you know, Morgan Scott comes in, gets the save um, in the shutout uh, in, in the uh, in the final game. Um, Stevie really sort of looked at the very end of that game, like she was losing control of her pitch too. Um, I was getting a little bit nervous about that one. Um, uh, but yeah, good save for, for Morgan Scott too. Um, she's really, you know, turning into, you know, you know, not just an opener, but a closer. I'm really, you know, been impressed with her, uh, season and, uh, and credit to, to both, uh, you know, Stevie Hansen, um, for, for, you know, 
hey, hey, she gets the, you know, she gets the win. She, you know, a shutout performance. And then Reagan Breedlove, who, you know, like I said, been a little worried about her, but, you know, it was a good performance. And Arizona State's a good hitting team. You know, like Arizona State beat Washington, which is something that Oregon couldn't do, you know, in their series against them. Um, and, uh, 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 you know, it was, a, it was an, an excellent defensive performance in a, what has apparently been a difficult place for a lot of teams to play. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's a, a contrast from last season – uh, this time last season, um, we were in the middle of that the awful uh, April slump where mm-hmm. uh, the Stux team lost ten of fifteen games, and and that hasn't been the case uh, so far this April. Uh, in fact, they they're looking pretty strong. The, the bats are strong and. The, the presence of Scotty is uh, really helping. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they're um, facing up against the the three Pac-12 teams that they're um, playing before the end of the season. Yeah, because they they have some um, good wins in April, but you're going to expect that from the Montanas and the Lindenwoods uh, of the world and likely even Portland state had they had those two games not been canceled, but, but still the, the Arizona state sweep is, is very encouraging. And so we'll see how this duck squad can carry momentum going into uh, the Pac-12 tournament, uh, and hopefully the NCAA regionals. Uh, with the presence of Scotty, I don't really expect that the fade-out and collapse that happened last season. Um, hopefully they can make a run. You know, are, are they a uh, uh, top 10 or 12 team? Yeah, probably not, because as you've said, you you really need that third ace pitcher and and the ducks don't quite have that but they have much more than they had last season when it was just all on stevie hansen so um yeah we're going to have some uh good series coming up against arizona california utah and you know we'll see what this uh ducks pitching stuff is made of uh uh, a couple of um, individual player uh, shout outs, um, you know, a, a lot of this, you know, usual uh, suspects in terms of uh, batting performance, you know, Alyssa Daniel had a, a, a fantastic series, um, you know, uh, uh, had a home run. Interestingly, I think all the scoring in the first game was via home runs. Um, and Alyssa Daniel had, you know, one of the home runs in, in that one. Um, uh, and, 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 uh, Alec Munker did of course, you know, too. um, uh, KK Humphreys, uh, 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 wound up, uh, scoring, you know, on a couple of hits, um, in, in steals, uh, in the second game, um, uh, in the third game, uh, 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 uh 
uh, in the third game is, you know, more of a list Daniel um, and, and Taya bird who I'd sort of, you know, like in, in comments and in a couple of places, I've been a little down on Taya bird's performance at a couple of uh, spots. Cause like, I, I really felt like she was like, she was swinging for the stands, you know, every single time. Mm-hmm. And it was either a home run or a strikeout with her. And like, I, I she sort of, uh, grown up uh, i think a little bit uh in conference play like I, i've been seeing more bunts uh out of her and like and yeah like you know in the third game uh you know uh uh two of oregon's rbis you know come off of just like just straight up singles from uh from bird um uh you know so good on her uh but like for me the series mvp is uh page Sinicki. um uh, uh, she gets a home run, her first of the season, um, uh, to seal the game, um, in the, uh, in the first game and then gets a, a two different double plays, I think in the second play in the second game, which are both of them were just like gorgeous, uh, double plays. Um, uh, like just, a, I, she's just tremendous fielding performance, uh, as a shortstop and uh, didn't get enough credit because she doesn't always get the long ball, but finally came through on this one. So, uh, Hats off to her. Yeah, and the um, the um, batting has been uh, fairly consistent uh, all season. You know, especially uh, against the the powerhouses mm-hmm. um, that that the Ducks faced uh, earlier in the Pac-12 uh, portion of the season. Um, but you know the 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 Ducks have. Uh, four, uh, five hitters that are hitting over 300 and, you know, overall their, their on-base percentage is better than opponents. Their slugging percentage is better than opponents. They're getting more walks than their opponents. And, and there's some pretty sig- significant differences. Um, you know, you, you get stats like that when, um, even though you only won one game of a series against, you know, the likes of Washington or Stanford or, or UCLA, that was more than you were getting last year. And, uh, yeah. and, the, the, and the bats showed up for um, for all of those games. Um, it's, it's like pitching has kind of enabled the bats to do their thing, whereas last year around this time, uh, Oregon was the one losing by one, two, three runs. This year, um, they're winning a significantly higher percentage of those uh, games that are determined by one, two, or three runs. And well, yeah, they've been a solid hitting squad this year. I mean, I don't, there's not a ton of relationship in, on the diamond between offense and defense. Um, Except, you know, towards the very ends of games where if you're sort of in desperation mode, you start hacking, um, uh, which I might wind up talking about that with a, a certain reliever that Oregon's got. But anyway, the, uh, um, you know, uh, 
like the scores in all of the, you know, the scores in the Arizona state series are five to two, five to two, four to zero, which are like, those are pretty classic diamond scores, you know, where like your offense is pretty consistently, you know, clicking or in the first game, it actually wasn't until like, an, until the game breaks, but like, but you knew it was going to break, you know, like you had confidence in the bats, you know, like some, somebody in the rotation was eventually going to break something. Um, and they did, you know, the home run started just pouring in. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, meanwhile, the, the pitching and the fielding was going to limit, you know, the, the opponents were, I'm not saying anything radical here, but it's sort of like, yeah, that's what a complete team does, you know, like they will steadily outscore you and they will steadily limit your scoring. And so therefore they will have, you know, more runs than you by a, you know, wide enough margin that like the little variances that happen, the little wrinkles, maybe some weird officiating calls or funny bounces, you know, don't matter because you have enough of a cushion. And so therefore you win, you know, like, yeah, that's how it's supposed to go. You know, like, yeah. And they were, um, I guess what I'm saying is that, that the, the offense and the on-field defense seems to me to be on par with what they were doing last year. It's just that, that third leg of the tripod that was missing last year pitching uh, seems to be a little bit more stable this year. And that's why they're winning. I mean, I, yeah, sure. I mean, you need to build it all up. If you, you know, if you want, if you want to be an elite postseason team, you have to be a completely well-rounded team and, and you need to be elite at everything. And, and I actually don't really think this team is quite there yet. I don't think their hitting is, um, totally elite and I don't think that their bullpen is totally complete yet. Um, right. but yeah, it's their bullpen is certainly better. Like it certainly got more, uh, 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 you know, reliable pitching than it did last year. Um, and the bats certainly haven't cooled down, you know, compared to last year. So, well, you know, I guess I'd put it this way. Oregon opened up conference play, you know, with three top 10 teams. Um, and, I mean, that was brutal. And, uh, and yet, you know, they weren't blown out and they lost all three series, but they weren't swept in any of them They you know, they got a win in each one of those series and their losses were close losses, you know, in each one of them, you know, they were right there. And so while I don't really think that Oregon was a top 10 team and, and like the ways that they lost were ways that sort of like they made sense you know at least for like my theory of the team none none of my theories for the team were disrupted by the ways that they lost they were like yes they lost because the top 10 team that they were facing was better at them than they they are at this thing that they need to get better at which i expect them to do over the next season or two that that you know they're not there yet um but i expect them to be you know over the course of this progression um and so like they didn't like upset me or anything you know I mean, it's not like I enjoy the Ducks losing or anything, but like, you know, I wasn't like infuriated by them or anything. Um, uh, the way, like, I, I feel, you know, I know that a lot of fans are frustrated by close losses because they're like, it's right there. You know, they feel like it's within their grasp and they can't get it in a, in a way that sort of like losing in a lopsided game can almost make you giggle, 
you know, it was like, oh, wow, lost that one big. Well, I guess I'll go get drunk, you know, whereas, you know, losing, you know, game in which you strand, you know, there's one of these games where like Oregon stranded a lot of batters, you know, on, on in scoring position. And like a lot of fans were really mad at that. And, you know, the like fire Lombardi talk, you know, started like firing up again. And it's like, man, your your emotions are getting to you. You know, you're looking at this backwards, you know, like the fact that they had that many runs or there had that many runners in scoring position against an elite batting program means that they're getting better, not that they're getting worse, you know, like uh, and, and so like none of those things upset me. But what I did say, you know, at the end of that, like brutal nine game conference, you know, stretch is like, OK, but if my theories are still, you know, correct about this team you know, what they should do is play, uh, uh, and then they played Oregon state, which is, you know, it, it's a conference, it's a rival. It's, you know, a little bit weird, you know, they blew them out in the first game, but then there's this rain game and like the second game was weird. And then the, th- you know, that we, which we didn't get to see because like they can't afford cameras for a second game, I guess. <laughs> and then the fourth game was like, or the, it wasn't the fourth game. It was the third game, but, but then, then that was just bizarre. Like the, I, the, the bats go, ice cold which i didn't understand at all like it, it was weird there's something strange about that game you're about that you know series in corvallis and was played in the rain like i didn't understand it and then they like blew out some bad teams again you know or some you know overmatched teams i shouldn't call them bad they're just from yeah. a different level you know like uh you know montana and Linenwood. um you know god bless them for traveling to to eugene i, I hope they had happy and safe travels um and, and you know what i said after all of those experiences just like okay but if my theory of this team is correct, then they should go down to Tempe and win that series comfortably, you know, not like crush them or anything because it's a serious opponent, but it should be, you know, comfortable wins. And I'd, I'd be, you know, I'd be looking for a sweep, but definitely, you know, two to one. And if they lose a game, it should be like a tight game where all, like, I'm fine with it. And guess what? Mm-hmm. That's precisely what happened. You know, and so like in a, in a maybe selfish way, not as an Oregon fan, but as an analyst, like selfish analyst, selfish, I should patent that term, uh, in, in an analyst selfish way, I was watching this series with just a big grin on my face. Cause I'm like, all of my theories are being confirmed right now. Nothing could make me happier as an analyst than data confirming my theories. Um, Like, yeah, like all systems go in terms of, you know, what I think this team's progression is under the, under the plan. Um, So, yeah. And in each of those, uh, the series against the uh, top 10 opponents, um, there was a, a chance to take a series there mm-hmm. and yeah. it, that ultimately didn't happen mm-hmm. but they were quite competitive and yeah. at, at this point that's really all you can ask for because it wasn't that way last year that's true um they've got the uh the series against arizona in eugene coming up this uh weekend starting on friday at seven thirty. it is apparently free food friday I'm not sure what that means or what the free food is. Um, uh, many things qualify as food. Um, the game will be televised on ESPNU. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Um, uh, 
uh, th- that's another one where, uh, uh, you know, I expect, or, you know, Arizona is not a top 10 team. Um, Arizona is a halfway decent team. Um, uh, uh, they're not currently ranked, but I think that they may sneak into the rankings by the end of the season. Like, I think they may be underranked right now, um, but they're definitely not a top 10 team. Um, and, uh, you know, they're 25 and 18, which is worse than Oregon's uh, 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 ranking. They're three and 12 in conference play, which is, you know, obviously pretty uh, terrible. But like the, you know, the teams that they played are Utah, which is a pretty good team. Washington, which is obviously, you know, a pretty, you know, top 10 team. It's Stanford and, you know, UCLA. Right. So they pay, basically played like as brutal of a schedule, you know, as Oregon did. Um, and, and, you know, they got, you know, brutalized. Now they got brutalized, you know, worse than Oregon did. Um, you know, and so I sort of expect that, you know, they got swept by Stanford. They got swept by UCLA. They got swept by Washington. Um, they, you know, uh, they actually won, uh, one game against Utah, um, uh, in extra innings, um, uh, uh, but like, uh, you know, it, it hasn't been a fun time for them, um, in, in conference play, but they, you know, for all, you know, we were sitting here making excuses about Oregon playing top 10 teams. Arizona's played the same top 10 teams. So like, you know, let's not write off, you know, Arizona because they're three and 12 in conference play. Um, nonetheless, I would expect, you know, playing at home, um, you know, Oregon to probably win this series. Um, uh, I sure like a sweep. Um, and, you know, just like I said, about Arizona State, if my my theories about this game or about this team are correct, uh, I, I would expect, you know, comfortable wins by, you know, three to five runs in each game. Is that what you're expecting too, Badwater? Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, that's kind of... Um, my expectation with the the next three series um, to end the Pac-12 season is it should be kind of the, the same blueprint. It may not be sweeps, but um, there there's no reason why this team that has been that competitive with three different top ten teams can't pull out series wins in all three of these series. Well, you know, they've got, uh, uh, what do they got? They got Utah and they got Cal. Um, you know, Utah's not a bad team. You know, Utah's 29 and eight, they're 11 and four in conference play. Now, you know, Utah, unlike, uh, you know, Oregon and Arizona, um, you know, have not, uh, uh, played, you know, Washington and UCLA, but they did play Stanford and they swept Stanford. Um, it was kind of, you know, in many ways, the, the craziest thing that's happened in, <clears throat> in Pac-12 play in softball this year. You know, that was the, the series that just happened this weekend. Um, so yeah, like, I, saw that. That, I, I don't know. Right, but that this, was kind of crazy. Yeah, I don't know about this talk about like, oh, they should just comfortably knock Utah out. Like Utah might be a pretty damn good team. Um, on the other hand, like, Cal six and eight in, in, in conference play and, and, uh, 
um, you know, that, uh, you know, that does include losing to, uh, to UCLA and, um, um, you know, uh, and, 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 and Washington, you know, but they, they haven't played Stanford yet. Uh, you know, I haven't played Oregon yet. Like they, they, they did beat Utah. I don't know. Uh, you know, let's see uh, about Cal. Like I, I, I sort of think Cal's, you know, probably a pretty gettable uh, series, although they do got to go down to Berkeley in order to play it. Uh, but Utah might be a toughie. Uh, I don't know. I'll we'll have to keep an eye on that one. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting three weeks. All right. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, we come back. We'll talk some baseball. So, uh, the last time we talked about baseball, they had just finished, uh, playing Oregon state. Um, it was, uh, a weird, uh, series, um, in which they, uh, uh, they beat the beeves in the first game and a real thriller. Jay Stofall, uh, uh, pitched a complete game shutout. Um, and then, uh, you know, second game, uh, against Oregon state, uh, was looking pretty good. Another like, you know, tight, low scoring game until the beeves broke it open with a, a home run, uh, late. And they took that game two to four. Um, and then Oregon state just destroyed them, um, in the third game, like, you know, 12 runs, uh, in Oregon couldn't score at all. And sort of like that was a head scratcher. Uh, so then, you know, they played a midweek series against San Francisco, uh, and just destroyed San Francisco. <clears throat> it was sort of not worth talking about. Then you come back, uh, Eugene, uh, and they play Stanford. Uh, Stanford's a really good team. They're like ranked number seven. Um, and uh, Oregon wins that series. Um, they came pretty close to sweeping it, too. They win the first game four to zero. Stofall, once again, you know, pitches a, a complete game shutout. The craziest game is game uh, number two, uh, <laughs> yeah. in which Logan Mercado, who, who might be the worst um a uh, uh, starting pitcher in the Pac-12, uh, in statistically, like he, uh, like his his ERA is like point five six five or you know some crazy like it's terrible like uh, it's just just like the worst ERA of any starting pitcher I've ever seen. Winds up pitting like uh, pitching you know a a one run performance on five hits, like one walk, uh, uh you know, gets seven strikeouts in nine innings, which like, you know, in case anybody's wondering, you know, well, maybe that's like a trick, you know, like a, a trick of the batting performance, you know, or something like you don't get seven strikeouts over, you know, 27 outs, you know, that's like 25% of all outs come from his arm, you know, like that's not a trick, you know, like in Logan Mercado, like that's insane. Um, uh, 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 you know, like I'm, I'm, it's not look, uh, you know, all credit to, to, to Jay Stofall and to Logan Mercado for those three great pitching performances. And I'm, I'm not ready to anoint them as, um, as, uh, 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 as aces yet, you know, like anybody can have one good day or one or two good days. Um, like, uh, um, but like, Hey, keep it up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> And then they came pretty close to getting the 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 third win uh, against Stanford. Um, but then, in fact, they go up four to zero. But then, kind of the bats like go dead, um, and Stanford just sort of like slowly comes back, um, which is sort of like against what I expect Oregon's pitching to be. 
like that was normal. Like I was just like, well, of course, Stanford sort of like steadily built up six runs. The fact that Stanford got zero and one run in the first two games, like that was the crazy thing. The fact that over nine innings, Stanford, which is an excellent, you know, top 10, you know, team in the country and an excellent hitting team against Oregon, which is a lousy pitching team. Like the fact that they slowly built up six runs over the course of the game, like that's what I was expecting. What I wasn't expecting was for Oregon, you know, after I think the first inning to just like, oops, I guess we're done like batting now. <laughs> like, you know, so I was like not real happy with that. Um, uh, and, and then they go play Portland uh, uh, yesterday, <laughs> which like, oh my God. It was just like the stupidest game, you know, like we're like, again, you know, they did dump out to an enormous lead. Um, and then through like just real bad pitching and a bunch of errors and like a real bad performance by the closer. I actually think that Josh Malaris is not a very good closer at all. Like he's got a lot of heat, but he has no control over his pitch like at all. But it's just that like he it's, it, you know, like I alluded to earlier, the fact that it's because Oregon bats are often so hot and and when he comes in to close a game, opponents are behind. So they start hacking away at his heat. It doesn't matter that he's throwing balls into the dirt or at their crotches or whatever. They're hacking at it. And so like his his numbers are like artificially, you know inflated or de- you know his ERA is artificially deflated whatever the direction of the number is that you prefer like but like uh, just watch his his pitches they're just like they're flying all over the place they're I mean they're flying all over the place at 95 miles an hour but they're flying all over the place and like you know Portland to their credit just like watched them and like took walks and got hit by his pitches I mean I'm sure they hurt like they definitely hurt like he he nailed some kid and they had to take him out of the game it was just like oh my god uh so and then like the game ends on, on a walk-off dropped ball i was just like oh my you gotta be kidding me like i was just like i almost threw my remote at the screen it was so stupid okay i've been talking a long time and with a dying <laughs> voice please like take over this podcast <laughs> okay well uh jay stoffel over the the past few weeks has been really the only consistent pitcher that oregon has mm-hmm. um so that he would uh, uh, go a full nine innings it isn't really that much of a surprise. Uh, you know, he's been doing pretty well as of late, and he's uh, Oregon's main starter. And really, as you alluded to, he might be Oregon's only decent starter. Uh, you know, Mercado's pitching performance was was a surprise and I would have any, like I said this in comments, I would have an easier time believing that Stanford all had like bad clams for lunch in that game. than Logan Mercado like became an ace all of a sudden, like, yeah. And, and we're going to find that out that in like, that's a point three Oh seven batting average cumulative team versus a like point five seven five pitcher like that's not the batting performance that should have happened like well it was a, a after that game two pitching performance um coach was did mention that uh and has been and he had really, poisoned stanford 
<laughs> I didn't hear that one. <laughs> that was just a rumor. Um, he said that Angier had, had been working with Mercado the past uh, three or four weeks on you know some specific areas, and we'll, we'll find out if if that has helped on a consistent basis. Yeah, hmm. uh, like you, I'm kind of uh, skeptical. You know, th- this this Oregon pitching staff sure feels like a deja vu of last season. Um, yeah, uh, I have no confidence in uh, any of the relievers, and especially after a poor performance against um, the Pilots. You know, it. It takes a it takes a lot to blow you know successive uh, five point leads and then you know give up the runs and allow uh, Portland to tie only to have your bats bail you out and you go in with a, a three run lead in the bottom of the ninth and give up four runs. You know, that's that you're you're not supporting your offense at all, and um, you can bemoan Gavin Grant uh, losing the ball, dropping it, or whatever. But uh, really, he he should never been in that position sure. to begin with. And even if he does catch the ball in the end of the inning, it's a tie game. Now, now you got to go and, into extra innings, and you know what? Portland has right. all the momentum. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and they're they're probably going to win it in the tenth. It's um, yeah, because who do you have if, pitching in the tenth? Right, right. Yeah, you've blown through uh, everybody, and none of them were particularly any good. Not on that day. Here's my okay, so, like you know the the pitching, uh, like uh, okay, there is a possibility. Uh, frankly. I'm I'm not even sold on Stofall yet. Like I still want to see this happen a couple more times because, like I said, anybody can have one or two good days. Um, you know, and that goes double for Mercado. Um, here's the okay. For, <laughs> forget the, forget the Portland game, um, and forget the San Francisco games. You know, for, forget the batting performances in those games. Uh, Oregon State and Stanford have decent pitchers, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, what I had talked about going into those series, you know, cause Oregon had come off, you know, playing, you know, they, they had this 10 game winning streak, right? You know, they, 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 they'd, you know, they, they won against, you know, Washington state and Northwestern state and Arizona, you know, they, they, you know, played all the teams. Uh, and, uh, and I was like, and, and, and not only like had this, you know, winning streak, but they were winning, you know, 14 runs against Washington state, 13 runs, you know, 16, 12, 13, five, 15, 13, eight, you know, nine against you know Portland. The first time they played them, you know, nine, the second time they played them, 16 against San Francisco. And I'm like, look, man, I, I want to talk about how their bats perform uh, against, or, you know, Oregon state and Stanford, you know, against a team that has good pitching. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, okay, what? 
imagine this alternate universe. Okay. There's an alternate universe in which, uh, 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 the, 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 series outcomes against Oregon state and Stanford are flipped. Uh, the, the ducks beat Oregon state, uh, two to one, but they lose to Stanford, you know, one to two, uh, which is objectively worse, right? You know, cause Stanford's a ranked team and Oregon state is not right. So what am I, what, what do I get in exchange for, for giving that up? Uh, uh, that Oregon over those six games uh, scores 60 runs. That's what I want in exchange. Um, I want Oregon to have scored in my alternate universe that I would prefer to live in, that Oregon uh, uh, scored 60 runs in those six games. They averaged 10 runs. Um, uh, the reason is uh, basic game theory uh, in baseball and in softball uh uh, power hitting is the primary stat, you know, there it, you, you can, you know, uh, pa- power hitting is more important than base running because you can't run bases unless you get on base. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, pa- power, power hitting is more important, um, than fielding because, uh, fielding is irrelevant if you were knocking the ball out of the park. Uh, you know, uh, uh, power running, power hitting is more important than uh, pitching because it doesn't matter uh, how well you're pitching. Eventually, you know, pitching can't score you any points, right? The best pitching mm-hmm. forms in the world score zero points. Um, eventually, you know, in uh, the 20th inning, your pitcher will grow tired and you will give up a run. Um you know, uh, and so you can hit your way out of every problem. If you can, if you are only good at one thing, make it power hitting. Mm-hmm. And so when Oregon, you know, looked like this team that was this, you know, unstoppable juggernaut of, of, of hitting, you know, and this winning streak in which they're putting up like 14 runs every single game. That's why I recited all the runs during that streak. Uh, I was, you know, like, well, let's see if they do that against, you know, good pitching because if they do then i don't care about every other problem right because if because then they have because that that you know uh, unstoppable power hitting against even good pitching is the the key that opens every lock it doesn't you know it means that every other problem is irrelevant so therefore, I wanted to live in an alternate universe in which Oregon had, you know, one was putting up 10 runs on average every game. But that's not what happened. We live in a universe in which Oregon played Oregon State and Stanford and they combined for 22 runs, you know, which is, you know, what does that work out to? Like, like you know, four and a third, you know, something like that. It's well, and it's even more skewed when you consider that in one of the Stanford wins, uh, Oregon did put up eight runs. Yeah, that's, in, but that's and, it. That's the exception. Yeah. Yeah. Three and right. two thirds, three and two thirds runs, you know, per games, but it's like two runs, two runs, two runs against Oregon state, you know, four runs, eight runs, four runs against Stanford. That comes out to three and two thirds runs, you know, in every game, three and two thirds runs in every game is not the lock that opens or not the key that opens every lock because you know right. what? Uh, the teams that have good pitching, and are going to limit 
this ball club to three and two thirds runs in, in every game. You know what else those teams have? That they have good enough hitting to tee off on this bullpen mm-hmm. to hit four runs, you know, or more, probably a lot more than four, you know? And so that means, you know, uh, uh, probably a, a postseason run is not in the cards for this team. A postseason run might've been in the cards for a team that averaged 10 runs a game against Oregon state and Stanford's pitching but a team that averaged three and two thirds runs against uh, Oregon state and Stanford's pitching, even though good for them, they got the series win against number seven, Stanford, that team that this universe that we live in, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's and and be, so uh, like we can talk about how exciting Jay Sofall and Lugan Mercado's pitching performances. And we can talk about like, you know, Hey, maybe there's some improvement there, but we can all, and we can talk about like, Hey, you know, this team's not going anywhere until the pitching, you know, improves. Uh, and that all of those things are true. Like all those things are hundred percent true, but like if this team wanted to go anywhere this year, then the bats needed to not be an illusion against, um, you know, high quality pitching. And it looks like the bats are an illusion against high quality pitching. So. Yeah. And it feels like, uh, uh, like I said, that's uh, another factor in how this feels like a um, deja vu, almost a mirror image of last season. And I I would uh, wager that the, the eye test would show the same kinds of uh, issues that, you know, statistically, the Ducks showed last season. Mm. I haven't seen any, anything different, really. I mean, I would like to see steady improvements to the hitting performance. Um, like, and, and frankly, I'd be willing to to write off a bit, you know, the Oregon State performance because, like I said, you know, rivalry series. Um, you know, weather's a little bit funky. Um, uh. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm willing to certainly evaluate the batting performance over a larger sample size at the end of the season to, to see whether or not it is actually true that the batting performance is an illusion against, you know, like, you know, at the end of the year, we'll be able to limit, we'll be able, we'll be able to say, okay, these are the teams that actually had decent uh, pitching and so we'll but that will be a you know big enough sample to actually get a decent draw for the data and then we'll say what was their uh, batting performance against said teams um and then we'll be able to say you know not just you know oregon state and stanford but like all of these teams what was their batting performance and then we'll be able to say was that better than it was you know in previous years under uh, was and if so then okay they're on an upward trajectory and hooray but if it's not then i'm gonna say i, I don't care about 15 runs against northwestern state dude you know yeah. that's fun for the 10 year olds yeah, that doesn't cut it in big boy baseball. Um, and I'm definitely not imp- impressed with this bullpen. Now it's a young bullpen, y- you know. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to cut him some slack because you know, he, you know that the, everybody is 17 years old at some point. Um, 
but like oh my god this bullpen like you uh, i'm not sure i've ever seen a worse um statistically you know college baseball bullpen than this and like they're definitely not going anywhere until that improves um uh, yeah so like (laughs) what can you say when you make the portland pilots look like a division one team i mean i guess i had accepted that but then like but then i got my hopes up again because you know i was like because of the truth the the fundamental truth in baseball that if you are an elite hitting team it doesn't matter but then it looks like maybe they're not that either. So like now I'm back to being depressed again. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we should probably move on from the depression. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Else. All right. Well, okay then let's, uh, well, let's remind everybody what's coming up next. They, uh, they, they play Cal next, uh, in Berkeley, uh, this Friday, uh, starting at 7 PM. Uh, 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 I have no idea if Cal's a good team or not, to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, let's see if I can pull up their schedule real quick. Uh, let's see. Oh, that's not helpful. Uh, why, why would you give me that link? Like I knew that Cal is a team. Let's see. Cal is five and 13 in conference play. They're seven, 16 overall. Uh, they played any good teams in conference. Uh, well, they got swept by Stanford, unlike Oregon. So I'm going to say that they're not a good team. Uh, all right, go ducks. Um, let's take a break and, uh, we come back. We'll, uh, we'll talk some football. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I am starting uh, the uh, Pac-12 preview series. Um, Apparently, we do these alphabetically, so we're starting with Arizona. Uh, Oregon does not play Arizona this year, so uh, and it's sort of unlikely they'll see them in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, but maybe they'll see them see them in a bowl game, <laughs> depending on uh, how no negotiations go. Um, I don't know; it's a little academic, I suppose. But like, I don't. It it is good to know about other Pac-12 teams, you know. For like, well, what about all the other teams that play Arizona and then play Oregon? Like, how do we, you know, gauge how good those? Teams teams are so yeah, it's just you know good to good good to have them as a measuring stick um and i actually think that like arizona is a very very knowable team like uh, at least offensively anyway like um because i think that their their 2023 performance in my uh, opinion is going to look identical to their 2022 performance um because it's the exact same people their coaching staff is identical their quarterback, their skill talent, with the exception, they're missing one wide receiver who defected to USC, um, but they're going to wind up basically replacing him, you know, and probably not missing a beat at all. Um, their offensive line is going to be basically identical. Um, the nature of their passing attacks is going to be identical. Their running back room is going to be identical. Um, their strengths and weaknesses were very, very easy to identify through charting. Like they really only throw one type of pass, but they're very good at it. That type of pass is very effective. It's this sort of 15 yard square in route. That type of pass is very effective between the twenties, but it's useless in the red zone, which is why they are a top 20 offense, um, between the twenties. Um, but they are a, you know, number 82 ranked offense, um, in the red zone. Um, 
compounding the, that problem is, uh, you know, what I revealed through charting or what charting revealed to me, um, which is that their running backs are uh, super duper excellent running outside the tackles, like from the D gap outward. Um, because uh, the running backs are really good um, and their wide receivers are really good, apparently not just at catching the ball, but at blocking too. Um, and and uh, uh, however, you can't really do those big outside runs when you get to the red zone because like the, the, the defense sort of compresses and it's much easier to stop those runs in the red zone. What you have to do if you want to run in the red zone, you have to sort of run between the tackles and running between the the tackles has a salutary effect on the rest of your offense because it sort of forces the defense to, to, to crowd the line to stop you from doing that. And therefore they have less options to defend you. And if they, if you aren't a credible threat to run between the tackles, then they, you know, can sort of spread out and keep you from doing other things. And the fact that Arizona wasn't at all was a big, uh, a threat to, to do that, um, uh, you know, meant that, that the defenses, you know, could shut them down pretty effectively. And so it was like throughout the season, I kept watching them march the field and kick field goals, you know, march the field effortlessly, you know, with, with these like 15 yard in routes and outside runs. And then, oops, they can't do that anymore in the red zone. Um, they can't, then they can't run between the tackles and they can't do the other things because defenses don't take them seriously between the tackles and, and, and they're able to stop all the other things. Um, and so they're kicking field goals all the time. Um, and, uh, and like all of those were, super, were like very easy to identify through charting. You couldn't identify them if you didn't chart, right? Cause you don't know what type of passes they're throwing and you don't know what type of runs they're doing. And so if you didn't chart them, you had no idea. Like there was somebody on a football forum that I participated in who was like, guys, I want to learn more about Arizona. Cause it was the, this totally amazing offense. And I like totally shut this person down and was like, they are a, super boring offense and you're a moron. Um, but anyway, uh, 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 it's, it's not boring or stupid or anything. It's just like, it's super easy to understand, but like people who approach football only from a statistical perspective and don't watch film infuriate me because they fall into that type of trap. Like there are really easy answers if you're just willing to do the work of watching film. And so few people do it and they ought to be, um, reminded of, um, that failure anyway uh the 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 and all of that basically stems from the fact that their offensive line stinks and they return basically their entire offensive line which is going to continue to stink um which is like that's the classic pac-12 problem right you know like they've got great skill talent and they have an offensive you know mind who knows how to use the offensive skill talent and then when it comes time to like you know uh, use the offensive line to play power football to 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 muscle it in to win like oops oh i forgot to do that it's not that they forgot actually i spent a lot of time giving on on the podcast with adam green um who's a who's a great podcast interview that's going to drop tomorrow actually drop tonight um uh great podcast i really enjoy talking to adam green um uh, uh, you know, one, and much of the time that we spent, I spent praising Jed fish for his roster management. I really appreciate how like ruthless and unsentimental he is and saying that like, it, it's just the fact that the trenches take so long to build up. 
And like he hasn't, I, I misspoke a, a moment ago when I said, oops, I forgot. I, I actually kind of do think that's true for some coaches or like that's silly hyperbole, but like they're, they're being goofballs, but Jed fish isn't a goofball. Like he knows it's a problem. Um, it's just that, you know, time, you know, you, you, it takes, you got to grow your offensive line organically and he just hasn't been there long enough. It's going to be another couple of years. And, and, uh, and yeah, that's just what's happening. And, uh, but, but here's the thing is like Arizona's offense is so, and so for anybody who's like, well, why should I care about Arizona? Cause Oregon doesn't play them. Like their offense is going to be super, super like understandable and predictable. And you can use it and, and you can use it to measure other Pac-12 defenses, right? Like it's a super known quantity. It's like the fruit fly of, you know, it's the, you know, it's like, if you want to be like scientific about like every team that plays Arizona, you will know how good their defense is, you know, because you're going to know what Arizona is good at, what they're bad at. And so if they're able to stop them, you know, the other thing that was, you know, really interesting and sort of, I think reflected on Oregon is that I don't think people really appreciated this very much at the time, but like when Oregon played Arizona, Oregon was one of the very few teams Almost no other team did this. They they actually were very effective at stopping Arizona between the 20s. Oregon played a 33-stack defense against Arizona. Nobody did that against Arizona. It was crazy. They played them in week six. Arizona played six other opponents. And even, and even though Oregon showed them the blueprint of how to beat them, nobody else did that. And here's the other thing. Oregon didn't play 33-stack defense in any other game. It was like... Hey, we installed a totally new defense just to beat this team, and they did. Um, it was like cool, and it was the correct defensive choice. Like, I was like, what? <laughs> it was kind of amazing. Um, like, you know, I I really sort of feel like that. That like, if you want to pick up like a single game coaching performance. You know, there's like, I think, 54 Pac-12 games, you know, games between two Pac-12 teams um, in any given season. And if you want to pick out like, you know, pick out five that were like single game coaching performances, you know, at the end of the year for like cleverness and creativity for, you know, that should be one of them for like that defensive decision it was like, yeah, that was pretty cool, actually. Um, although it's sort of... Mm, Although it does sort of like, why didn't they do that against Washington? Like Washington is also a team that is like unstoppable between the twenties and you have to stop them in the red zone. Like Washington's offense fits that same sort of description where like, you know, unstoppable between the twenties, but you can get them to kick field goals in the red zone. But, but like, but if Oregon could figure out like a unique defensive configuration to stop Arizona between the twenties, why didn't they figure out it? Like I was actually really kind of pissed off watching their film against Washington, you know, cause they were like doing very like boring stuff and just sort of conceding the middle of the field. Well, now I'm angry again. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so uh, I got a question. Do you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you talked about the, the consistency and personnel coaching staff and uh, all that uh, between last year's rendition of uh, Arizona and what appears to be this year's is with the dynamics that um, that now happen in college football. Do you see any other uh, Pac-12 teams that are, that have that kind of solidity or, 
Yeah. Hmm. Just in general, is, is well, there Utah. more turnover? And, yeah. I mean, okay. Utah. I mean, they've completely locked it down. They just want to do the same thing. You know, it used to be that Utah, that, you know, Whittingham would just like sacrifice on the altar one offensive coaching staff member every year, but he sort of like chilled out on that. Um, you know, his buddy Andy Ludwig, I guess. Um, he might want to consider firing Jim Harding as offensive line coach, but that's sort of for another day, I guess. Um, but no, like, I, I actually think Fish is doing a very good job. Um, the uh you know at least on the offensive side of the ball and then the defense man it's just he's sort of hitting the reset button like uh almost everybody on the like the defense was terrible it's like 123rd in advanced stats like it was just like awful and it's and really primarily it's because they couldn't stop the run like at all and if you can't stop the run it kind of doesn't matter what else is happening in a football game because opponents will just crush you running the ball like even if your offense is good it doesn't you know like literally everything else doesn't matter if you can't stop the run and they couldn't they were like 33 percent effective against the run on my charts um and the problem was the defensive front just wasn't good enough. But here's the thing, like they're, they lost like five of their six starters and like their two most used, used backups in the front. And they're just like replacing them like totally through the portal and a couple of backups and a couple of new guys, like including Justin Flo of all people. Um, and I mean, we could talk about oh, yeah. Justin Flo forever. We're sort of running out of time in my voice. Um, like, it, but, but they're all like dice rolls. They're all guys who like haven't played. Like it's, it's guys like, like Tyler Manoa from UCLA, who they had converted to an offensive lineman or a guy named Bill Norton from Georgia, who's a four star, but like didn't play for Georgia. And it's like, if you look at his body, you'll understand why he's carrying some bad weight. Um, and you know, I, I, or Justin Flo, you'll, you know, it's an, you know, guys like, or, or, uh, 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 Hey Mooley from, from Washington where like he, he just stunk, you know, in Washington, but he stunk under Bob Gregory who like everybody stinks under Bob Gregory. Maybe it'll be great, you know, under literally anyone else, you know, it's like, it's every single person that Arizona got for their defensive front and make no mistake, their, their front was really the problem. Their secondary was actually all things considered given the talent level was actually not that bad. Um, the, 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 the front was really the problem and they're just totally hitting the reset button on the front and they brought in a, you know, just a lot of people, um, some of whom have some talent on paper, but none of whom really have any sort of experience. And so it's an absolute complete and total dice roll for every single one of those dudes. Um, and it's actually the, 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 the management in terms of the number, like all of the dudes are the correct size and it's the correct quantity of dudes at each of the positions. And so it's just like, they just have to roll the dice and, and, you know, and, and and maybe it just works out and they have like, you know, a better defensive performance. Um, but maybe they roll snake eyes, you know, it's yeah. entirely possible. You know, that's what happens when none of those guys have any experience. Um, like really none of them, you know, it's like uh, there's a combined for every single dude, like, you know, every possible guy they could play. I think they combine for something like 50 tackles you know, in their entire careers, it's like no experience for, for every possible guy they could play in the front. And so it's like, they're all dice rolls. Um, and, uh, and if the, and if the, 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 the blue chips, you know, uh, turn out to be busts, um, then, 
you know, then, then you're looking at guys who are not blue chips, you know? And so now you're looking at limited talent ceilings and even if those guys work out, it, you know, it's working out with limited talent ceilings. So it's like, yeah. So like, I really, I think there's sort of limited prospect, you know, there's a scenario in which the defense is hugely improved. There's a scenario in which it's a modest improvement. There's a scenario in which there's no improvement. There's a scenario in which they get worse, but the scenario in which there's no improvement and the scenario in which they get worse is like catastrophic because they were absolutely terrible last year. So like, Mm -hmm. it's hard to make a prediction that they're really going to get off the mat. And so like there was like a five and 17 last year. And so it's really, it's kind of like, I'm not sure if they're going to make, this year but i do think yeah. the jed fish is like on the right track here so like it was actually an, a fun project to do and like in terms of like studying a team that's trying to go from the worst team in the pack 12 to like i think they're on a trajectory by like 2025 to be like a top five team you know in the pack 12 if it pack 12 still has 12 teams like it's actually pretty fascinating like as a roster manager like he seems like a really laid-back guy but actually he's been very ruthless and it's been fun to study Hmm. so that article goes up uh tomorrow morning uh we're running out of time here so we're gonna have to wrap it up um you got any parting words of wisdom for us badwater uh just a week and a half till spring game and it looks like the weather god's gonna smile I hope so. Uh, well, uh, whether it does or not, it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>